It's time for Growing Texas Olives, the only podcast made specifically for you, the Texas olive grower. And, again, until someone shows me otherwise, I still think this is the only podcast fully dedicated to talking just how to grow olives. I am your host, Stephen Yonock. Thanks for joining me today. It's a beautiful day. It's the 30th of September, 2021. It's a Thursday. And this will be episode 7 of Growing Texas Olives podcast. This episode will be sort of a continuation of episode 6. So in episode 6, we started going through, I believe it's chapter 5 of the uh, Olive Production Manual from University of California. Chapter 5 is uh, all about uh, preparation of the orchard, uh, site selection, preparation, tree spacing, and, and planting. In the last episode, we talked about site selection and preparation. And today we're going to finish up that chapter. We'll talk uh, orchard tree spacing and design, irrigation a little bit, and then we'll talk planting and initial training of olive trees. Okay, let's let's go ahead and jump into episode seven then. Spacing, irrigation, planting, and training. And so the book starts by talking about how uh, your initial fruit production per acre in the first few years of the orchard life is directly related to the number of trees per acre. And that just kind of makes sense, right? Uh, when the orchard is young, the trees are young, they're smaller, and so they're not up to their full potential uh, production per tree, and we're not maximizing sun, sunlight use efficiency. As the orchard grows and matures and the trees start to grow together, they start to utilize more of that sunlight that's, that's coming into your orchard, and so production, production goes up. And this early lag in, in yield and fruit production in those first few years, that's really kind of the part of the reason that, uh, you know, about 25 years ago, they started experimenting with these super high-density uh, orchard designs. It's, it's uh, maximizing the number of trees per acre early on to maximize fruit production in those first few years. Again, all about getting that quicker return on that investment, right? Bringing their orchard up to profitability as soon as possible. So there's two main objectives that you want to keep in mind uh, when when establishing or deciding on an orchard design. The first main objective is to maximize sunlight exposure to the trees, both young and mature-sized trees. So that's not hard to do when the trees are young and they're not taking up much space, but we need to also think about those trees at maturity. We need to think 5, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, when these trees continue to grow and reach their maximum size. Uh, will we still be utilizing sunlight efficiently in that later, once the trees are full grown like that? Because as you should know, the olive tree sets fruit on one-year-old wood, so last year's growth, but that last year's growth growth must also be fully exposed to sunlight. So a, 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 fruit, a potentially fruitful shoot of one-year-old growth that's in full shade will not flower and set fruit like we want it to. So that's the importance of maximizing sunlight exposure on the tree is, is really all about fruit production. If we plant things too closely together, uh, as the orchard matures and the trees start to grow together, they start to shade each other, then we can potentially see production start to go down because of that shading. I'll use an analogy of pecan trees. Uh, when we teach folks in Texas about pecan trees, 
they often forget about this this sunlight and shading phenomenon where where as trees grow together and crowd production tends to tends to slow down or go or go down and it's directly tied to the the amount of sunlight intercepted by the tree canopy so we like to say that uh, in a in a mature pecan tree orchard you should be able to walk out midday on summer solstice, which I believe that's June 22nd, right? That's the point where the sun is, is most directly above us. You should be able to walk out into the orchard on that day in a pecan orchard again, and you should see about 50% shade and 50% sunlight on the ground. That means you've got about the right amount of interception. You're maximizing sunlight interception, but you're also not crowding and shading anything uh, when, when you have that 50-50 sunlight and shade on the ground. So just keep that in mind as we go along. The second main objective for orchard design is to allow for efficient uh, processes to happen in the orchard. Mostly think about equipment operation. And again, we want to think about the mature size of the trees that we're planting. 10, 15 years after the planting of the orchard, are you still going to be able to get a tractor down between the rows, whether that's to spray weeds, spread fertilizer, uh, you know, carry bins for harvesting fruit. Uh, so we, that, that's really the kind of forward thinking we need to have when we're initially laying out the design of the orchard. And so there's really two main factors that, that drive our selection of the, of the spacing and design of the orchard. And the first and the main factor influencing the design, design of the orchard is the harvest method that you are planning to use. So basically, uh, are you going to be hand harvesting or do you plan on mechanical harvesting? Hand-harvested orchards typically have wider spacing, and the trees are, are managed as individual units. In a, in a mechanized harvest uh, design, the trees are planted very closely together down the row, and the trees are managed not as individual trees, but as a hedgerow. That hedgerow is now your production unit instead of managing each tree individually. The second factor that really drives our decision on orchard design and layout is the olive cultivar that you're choosing to to grow and really it's the mature size of that cultivar that you're choosing to grow and and honestly this really has more to do with uh, hand harvest uh, wide spacing set up orchards and has less to do with the the high density mechanically harvested hedgerow orchards so in mechanically harvested hedgerow super high density orchards or high density orchards uh, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of limited in, in variety selection uh, to, to those, those cultivars, those varieties that are more compact in growth. They tend to be less vigorous. Their mature, mature size is even less than some of these other varieties. That's the ones that we use typically in the high-density uh, mechanized setup. Examples, examples of those are Arbicina, Arbisana, Corniki, and maybe uh, Chikatita and uh, I believe they're they're also coming out with some newer ones. Maybe Oleana would be included in there as well. And the varieties that I just mentioned, of of course, those can also be grown in a in a low density hand harvest, wide spacing uh, design or setup. There's no reason those can't be grown. In fact, I know lots of growers that do grow Arbicina, Arbisana, Coroniki as individual trees in this wide spacing hand harvest design. But in the, in the low density or wide spacing design, we also open ourselves up to other opportunities, uh, other cultivars that could be used, some of these larger sized cultivars, uh, at least larger in, in terms of mature tree size. And these are things like manzanilla, 
uh, Mission, Piqual, Frantoyo, some of those Italian varieties, Impeltre, and so on. But we need to be aware of the, the potential mature size of that, that cultivar, that variety that we've selected. Uh, for example, uh, Mission, uh, Frantoyo, those are two uh, sort of larger size trees, and they probably need 30-foot spacing between them uh, to, to accommodate their full mature size. And when thinking about the, the spacing of these trees, and more so in the low-density hand harvest uh, system, the wide spacing system, think about the soil type that you're on. So a shallower soil, maybe a soil with less fertility, maybe a more sandy soil. Well, those trees aren't going to grow quite as large at maturity versus trees that are planted on a a loamy, deep, uh, well-fertile, well-drained soil. So think about that. Uh, Your soil type may sort of restrict the mature size of that tree. And in that case, we can potentially put those trees, oh, five, seven feet closer than than we would on a, you know, a deeper, well-drained, fertile soil. So let's talk about layout now uh, briefly, and we're going to talk mostly first about the the low-density hand harvest uh, design, where the trees are spaced out wider. And primarily the orchard design that I see as I go around Texas is, is what the book calls a square design or a square layout. That's where the trees are equal distance from each other at right angles. So they're equal distance down the row, and the rows are equal distance apart as well. Uh, I've seen orchards in Texas planted on 15 by 15. Yeah, that that may be okay. You could probably get by with that on a sort of a more medium-sized tree like Manzanillo or a less less larger tree like Arbicina, Arbisana, Corniki. Um, and especially if you're on a, 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 you know, like I just said, a shallower soil or soil with less, less growth potential, we could maybe get by on 15 by 15, but... Uh, that's that's getting awfully close as those trees get to maturity. Uh, you may not have a sunlight problem necessarily, but you may have a problem getting equipment in and out of that orchard. So more of what I see is 20 by 20 or 25 by 25, even up to 30 by 30. Uh, the book even mentions that for a, a fertile, well-drained, loamy, deep soil uh, with with large varieties like Frantoyo and some of those Italian varieties, uh, Mission maybe as well, that they recommend about 40 feet between trees. That's to pr- provide enough space for that mature sized tree and to allow you to continue to get in there with equipment. Now we can sort of manipulate the, the mature size of the tree with some fancy pruning or some judicious pruning techniques, uh, but better to, to let that tree... Uh, reach more of its full potential size rather than having to make hard cuts every year. That's going to create additional problems down the road. And so that's the square design, the square layout. That's what I see basically everywhere. And I, and, and you can make it 20 by 25, a little more space between the rows and a little less between trees down the row. So there's there's options that you can sort of play with that. Another design they talk about is the offset square. Uh, it's It's less popular. Uh, it's basically more work. The rows are closer, and you have to kind of farm on a diagonal pattern because the rows are uh, because the trees are closer together. And so it's it's similar to the square design where there's equal distance between trees down the row and equal distance between the rows. Uh, but those the the spacing is offset. So when one row starts at one tree, the next row over the first tree is halfway between the other two trees in that first row. Maybe that's hard to to describe and to understand, 
but that's why we're not going to belabor the, the, the topic here. Another design that they talk about, uh, oh, and with the offset square, you know, it really doesn't offer that many benefits. Uh, it's the same number of trees per acre, uh, but like I said, it's just a little bit more difficult to, to get across and, and work with it and get equipment in and out. The next design they talk about is a hexagonal design or an equilateral, equilateral triangle. And so in this design, there's equal distance between trees in every direction. So if you draw, draw a triangle between three trees, it's equal distance between uh, in every one of those spaces. The advantage here is you can get about, they say, about 17% more trees per acre in this design. Uh, but there is a little, it is a little more difficult to lay out um, and to make sure that you stay on that pattern throughout the orchard consistently. They talk finally about the square design with filler trees. So this is the square design that we just talked about before, where you basically have a box uh, with, with equal distance between trees at the four corners of that box. But they're, they're talking here about adding a filler tree in the middle of that box. So a fifth tree stuck right in the middle. And so there's advantage to that. You have more trees per acre initially. Uh, but the, there's more disadvantages to that, I think, in that that extra filler tree, well, that's basically an extra row. So you've got to run another irrigation line down that row. And also with this square design with filler trees, the plan is to go in there uh, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years down the line and remove that row of filler trees because they were planted initially too close to where at maturity they would start to crowd and you would have sunlight problems. Okay, next they talk about the the hedgerow design, uh, the super high density and mechanical harvest design. And I do see this uh, fairly common in Texas. Uh, this is a design, really, when you think about it, it's, it's quite interesting. For, for thousands of years, olives were grown essentially the same way for hundreds or thousands of years. Uh, and, that's, and that's in the low density, wide spacing, uh, hand harvest setup. And so they're looking for ways, of course, as, as labor becomes uh, harder to find and input costs are rising, they were looking for ways to, to maximize production, reduce the amount of labor needed, um, and, and mechanize the process. And, and they came up with this, basically, this, this high-density or super-high-density design where everything, just about everything, can be done with a machine. In this super-high-density design, um, initially, they were they were looking at spacing something like oh, 13 feet between rows and five feet between trees, and in fact, there are some orchards in Texas planted on that design, 13 by five. Uh, however, I I do see a trend of folks going away from that extremely dense, uh, super high density, tight spacing, and most of the folks I talk to with high density orchards that have have some experience now in Texas. Most of them are going to a little bit wider spacing. In the 13 by 5 uh, spacing design, you really get a lot of trees per acre. And again, that, of course, yeah, that can maximize your early returns, your early yields per acre. That's the way to really get those high yields in those first few years. But, but there's drawbacks to that. The trees start to crowd sooner. Uh, and really the main thing that people find is that it's, it just doesn't make all that much economical sense uh, because the trees really they they meet each other in that five foot spacing they meet each other very quickly and so there's crowding that goes on between trees in the middle of the row there 
And so a lot of folks are telling me that, well, you know, maybe we go something like seven feet between trees, eight feet between trees. They're going to grow together anyways. Uh, Maybe it's going to take an extra two years to get them to grow together and fill that middle space and actually form that hedgerow. But you save so much money on trees initially. So you're planting less trees per acre and there's a great savings there. Uh, when you have to buy fewer trees, fewer stakes, you have uh, less work to do when it, when your crew has to go out there and do the tying of the new trees and the and the initial pruning and training that goes on. So I, I see more folks going away from that super high density setup, more to a high density setup. Uh, again, more like seven to eight feet between trees down the row. And the row spacing You know, I think you can get by with 13, 13 feet, but my recommendation is something more like 15, maybe 16, 17 feet. Um, I was talking with a grower in Texas who's planted on that, I think it's on 13 by 5, and he said that's okay. We still get decent sunlight uh, penetration to the orchard, but the problem was with his mechanical harvester, uh, it was wet during the time of harvest. And he harvested one row, and of course, his the, the wheels, the tires on the harvester made ruts because of the wet soil. When he came back to harvest the row directly next to it, the adjacent row, it, the spacing was such that the harvester tire was kind of riding on the edge of that rut created from the previous row. And so he was having a hard time keeping it straight going down the road because that that one tire that, or that one side, those two tires kept wanting to slide back into that old rut. And he said, if I had to do it over again, I would account for that and space it out maybe another two feet just to, to avoid that problem of, of rutting and, and not being able to stay straight on the row. So again, you kind of see how, how important planning ahead and, and the design and layout of the orchard can be. You know, one other thing on the mechanical harvesting uh, layout and design, when we talked about last week, we talked a little bit about fencing. And, and one, of the, one of the growers in Texas that has, uh, that has experience with mechanical harvesting, they go around and, and try to harvest for other folks in Texas. And one of the biggest issues is those, those orchards, since those growers don't have their own harvester, they don't often leave enough space for that harvester to get around. <laughs> I mean, think about the entire process. The harvester, probably on a semi-truck, has to be able to get into the orchard, first of all. Are your gates wide enough? Is the road sufficient to get a semi-truck into the orchard? Uh, and then can you, get the, can you get the harvester down the row? Are there big oak trees in the way? Uh, when you get to the end of the road, does it, can the orchard? Excuse me, can the harvester actually make that turn or is your fence too close to the rows? Again, a lot of folks want to plant that hedgerow all the way up to the fence and leave just enough space where you can drive by on an ATV or something. And that maximizes trees in the orchard. But again, if you can't get the harvester to the end of that row and have plenty of room for it to turn around to make repairs out there, then there's the possibility that Maybe you just, you can't, it's two possibilities. Either one, you don't harvest it with a mechanical harvester, or two, you got to go cut down those trees or take out those trees to make space at the end of the row to accommodate for the size of that harvester. So if that is your plan, mechanical harvesting, that's your goal. My advice is before you put any trees in the ground or lay out the design of the orchard, go talk to the guys with harvesters, with mechanical harvesters. Figure out how much space they need 
get there, rely on their experience to tell you uh, kind of what the design and spacing of the orchard and layout should be. The other thing about the high-density hedgerow system is, is now the row orientation becomes important. Uh, with the low-density hand harvest kind of wide spacing design, we really, I mean, there's really not a row necessarily that we need to orient because the tree has sunlight and space all around it. But in a high-density setup where you're forming this hedgerow of trees, it's highly recommended to orient them north to south. That gives a good equal distribution of sunlight on the east and the west side of that of that hedgerow. I have seen orchards in Texas that are planted on an east-west orientation. And I have seen that orchard produce fruit. I have seen that orchard harvested for fruit. But again, just, just uh, as a principle, their potential for fruit production is likely lower than if those same rows were to be oriented north to south. I don't have data from Texas to support that yet, uh, but that, that is a simple concept that really makes sense. So orient north to south, that also facilitates uh, good airflow through the orchard. So we have predominant winds out of the south, and the, in the winter sometimes we have winds out of the north. But that north-south orientation allows for airflow through the orchard. That can reduce incidence of disease. That may help with wind pollination of olives, uh, which brings me to my next point. Placement of pollenizer varieties throughout the orchard. Again, unfortunately, I don't have data on Texas, uh, Texas orchards to say how pollenizer trees should be placed throughout the orchard. We talked about pollenizers um, and pollination, I think, a couple episodes ago, and we're going to talk about it some more going forwards. I do believe that's quite important for us and something that we maybe overlooked. But the research shows in general that, you know, olives are wind pollinated, and the research shows that the most effective uh, distance for a pollenizer is about a hundred foot radius. So a pollenizer tree, it's effective pollination areas about a hundred foot radius all around that tree. But again, think about the prevailing wind direction. You know, the book here says that because of that hundred foot radius of effective pollination, you should space uh, pollenizer trees, pollenizer cultivars about every 200 feet throughout the orchard. I think I tend to kind of have an issue with that 200 feet spacing again, because we tend to have a predominant wind direction out of the south or the southeast. And if it's blowing from that one direction the entire during the entire bloom period, then you're not that that 200 foot diameter is no longer important, and all we are relying on is that 100 foot radius in one direction. So I really think maybe pollenizer placement should be more like 100, maybe 150 feet um, every every 150 feet throughout the orchard. I'm not going to talk about variety or cultivar selection for pollinization yet. Uh, There's more work that needs to be done, but we will address that in the future. But I will say that I, you know, again, I'm not exactly sure what the best design or layout of pollinizer varieties would be. Is that a a single row, an entire row of pollinizer variety every 100, 150 feet throughout the orchard? Or is that uh, every 100 feet down the row, you plant a pollinizer variety tree, and then you go back to your production tree, and then another pollinizer variety tree at 100 foot, 150 foot intervals? I've seen it done both ways. I Again, I don't have Texas data that says one way is better than the other. Uh, that's something that we definitely need to work on. 
Okay, was that enough? <laughs> That's going to do it for me. I appreciate you listening and tuning in. I want to thank Jay Schmidt again for the wonderful music he provided for us for this podcast. Uh, that makes us feel pretty special. Thanks again, Jay. Okay, folks, y'all be safe out there. Take care of each other. Take care of those trees. Call me if you got any problems, questions, or comments. Contact me any kind of way. I'm here to help you, and I'm happy to do so. All right, we'll talk to you again soon when it's time again for Growing Texas Olives. <laughs> <laughs>